right, welcome back to another episode of the Good News Cast. It's always great to be with you. My name's Colin Coates here with Jeff Hatton uh, to chit chat. Uh, we are going to just finished up a series on the invisible realm, angels and demons. Going to move into a bit of a, a podcast series, couple episodes. We'll see on ways that we seek to uh, justify ourselves and or sanctify ourselves. What are ways throughout the church in different tribes, denominations, traditions, whatever, um, especially in our own world, what are ways that Christians uh, can can try to save themselves uh, uh, or sanctify themselves? Why did you tease those two out? What you That was really interesting. So we're, we're going to talk about self-justifying, self-sanctifying. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating. It's a whole mm-hmm. package of self-salvation. So mm-hmm. self-justification speaks to what does it speak to? And then self-sanctification speaks to what? So what I'm thinking is when I think of what are ways we try to justify ourselves um, and more, you know, on the ground language of how we might talk as Christians, I'm thinking of what are the ways that we try to uh, secure God's acceptance of us? Good. What are ways that we, how, when if someone says, do you know God forgives you of all of your sin and accepts you forever? Uh, how do you know that? You know, what's our answer? Whatever our answer is, that's that's how we are justifying ourselves. So the answer uh, could be, well, you know, I go to church consistently, so I know God accepts me and loves me. Okay, so you go to church. That's you doing something. That's a way that you you are seeking to justify, save yourself. Now, we might uh, say, no, 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 no. The Bible clearly teaches that we are justified, accepted by God, forgiven of our sin by grace alone and Christ alone. And when I say we might say that, we do say that, we do believe that. Right. But as Christians, that doesn't mean that we are not tempted in another um, uh, in another realm of thinking or life uh, to still try to contribute to something that we would say here at Redeemer and in our Reformed world, we would say is still solely God's work, which is sanctification. So we may say, oh, of course, I am forgiven and saved and justified by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. But if I want to grow as a Christian, if I want to get better as a Christian, if I want to obey more, whatever, Mm -hmm. that is not solely God's work. That is now team, you know, God and me. And so it may be God is going to do his part but then at some point he will, you know, sit down in heaven and look at me and wait for me to do my part. So are you saying the team part is a self-sanctifying? Self-sanctifying. Okay. It's a synergistic work between me and God. And if there are a hundred levels to the Christian life, you know, God may get me solely t- through a couple of them. But if I want to get to level 84, you know, maybe God is waiting for me to read my Bible more. He's waiting for me to pray more. He's waiting for me to surrender more, believe better. He's waiting for me to do something to unlock the next level. So that's what I mean by um, talking through what are those ways that we seek to self-sanctify. I know I'm in the kingdom Mm -hmm. by grace alone, but I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to be sanctified by grace alone. And it's going to be a combination of grace and my contribution. And so what are those myriad of ways we seek to contribute? So self-justify, self-sanctify, 
the whole package, we could call it a, a, a self-salvation, a self-seeking of salvation. And there's endless strategies to mm -hmm. do this is what we're going to talk mm -hmm. about. And, and then we're going to finally, maybe in another podcast, we're going to talk about how um, once we get on, which we do naturally, on this road of self-sanctifying, mm -hmm. what it ends up doing is actually functionally, if not formally, and functionally obviously means our experience and how we do it, formally would be like our stated beliefs, our belief systems, our theology, our doctrine. But once we start getting into self-sanctifying mode, it will start eroding yeah. justification for us. Mm -hmm. We actually will start turning justification into a self-justifying thing too. Mm -hmm. And then it's a colossal mess mm -hmm. uh, and it impacts obviously everything so yeah. i look forward to these podcasts these will yeah. be fun so yeah. we're going to talk about self-justifying self-justification start, start there what are ways and we, and some of this is i kind of wanted to just hit the record button quick before we talked to ton about it to make this a little bit more off the dome yeah um but yeah what are some major ways that maybe come to mind that in the professing christian world you know we, someone might say, I'm a Christian and here's how I'm saved. Here's how I'm forgiven. Here's how I know I'm accepted by yeah. God. Uh, any significant ways come to your mind? Yeah. I think one, just talking through the, um, just that dynamic right away. So for instance, uh, am I doing things, uh, to be loved and accepted and or am I doing things because I am loved and accepted? Mm -hmm. So that's when we're in this realm of justification, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing things to be loved and accepted, I'm in this self-justifying mode. And there are endless forms and endless strategies. I mean, we could just start with like, you could just start with the, the idea of performance in a certain area that let's take your work. If, if you're not successful in your work or if you fail in your work it actually can make you feel condemned and not justified so in one sense you could say well my I'm, I'm using if i do good at my work if i'm successful at my work if people recognize me at my work i am loved and accepted i'm a i'm a loved and acceptable person i'm a justified person and if I don't meet my standards or I don't meet the standards of somebody else in that performance or they critique me or criticize me, now I'm functionally condemned. So we can even start, this appeals, this is as deep and as broad as the human condition for all of us, right? So you could put in, you could do this in ministry, you know, the way you preach, the way you teach, the way uh, is God using you. So there can be a multiplicity and there are a multiplicity of ways and forms and strategies that we self-justify. And so we're saying again, self-justification is doing something or obeying or whatever we're going to call it to get God to love me and accept me or to get me to love and accept myself or to get other people to love and accept me. Mm -hmm. All self-justifying realities. Um, for me, growing up uh, in my Christian experience, one of the ways that um, I found myself uh, pretty easily trying to self-justify uh, was this notion of yielding or surrendering. Uh, people used to always talk about uh, yielding this area of your life, making Jesus Lord of this area of your life, um, having this area of your life handed over to Jesus. And I, I just, 
one, I had a hard time figuring out how you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you measure a yield? How do you measure a surrender? How did I know I've surrendered enough in an area? Mm-hmm. And then someone might tell me, well, it looks like this to be a surrendered person in this area of your life. And then I'm trying to become that surrendered person or this is what surrender looks like in this area or that area or the total surrender, you know, and that's the one that always used to get me. I could never get totally surrendered, yielded, whether it was just intuitive or whether someone actually told me what it meant, gave me a doctrine or theology of it. I just couldn't, but I knew that until I was surrendered, I was not fully loved and accepted and forgiven and welcomed. Uh, it was not, you may come. It was like, there was this tenuous relationship I had with God, not of security. Um, but if I, for some reason felt I crushed it a little bit in the surrender, but I really never did. That was my problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but I could see, let's say I did, maybe I did surrender enough. I could see how I would feel very loved. Mm -hmm. I would have felt loved. I would have felt accepted. I would have felt righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I lost it, lost some sincerity or lost the grip of surrendering or yielding or whatever it looks like in there, then I would lose that. Mm-hmm. That for me was a huge one. Um, well, and, and to interrupt you, yeah. I think that this is big. I'm thinking there are how many countless gospel presentations to a room full of people in a church uh, at a at a you know worship band music conference thing whatever how many presentations have been you know hey if you're not a christian in this room and you want to become a christian you know um i want you to know jesus lived for you died for you rose for you to forgive you of all of your sin and what do you need to do how do you need to respond you just need to surrender all and Okay, the intentions there, I think, a lot of times are probably good in that maybe what's being communicated is like, is like, don't come to Jesus and be like, hey, Jesus, let's make a deal. You know, you are God, you know, and I realize that, um, but I would like to keep my wild life of theft, you know, so... I I don't want to repent of that. I love how it was a wild life of theft. Well... (laughs) I don't know. You better keep going. Uh, I want to keep robbing banks. Yeah. But I will repent of this other stuff. You know, I want to keep some and then I'll repent of some others and we've got this great deal. Yeah. So maybe there's good intentions there of, of what they're trying to say is like, listen, like when we come to Jesus, it is this, you know, I am now realizing I'm not God and I don't determine what sin is or is not. And yeah. if you say it's sin, it's sin. Okay. However, what gets communicated, what actually hits the ground and hits the heart and the mind is, is if you want to come to Jesus and get grace, the way there, the way to get to him is to throw off every weight and sin that clings so closely, closely, get rid of all of it. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you will be perfect in your heart. Like, at the core of your heart, you will have this perfect understanding of your sin, this perfect hatred of all of it, and this perfect resolve and willingness to now never do any of it again. Yeah. And what that is, is that is self-justification. That is because the presentation should really go like this. Jesus lived, died, and rose for you. Now, now turn to Jesus 
and confess to him, God, I am now realizing for the first time that I love robbing banks. I still feel a great love for robbing banks in this moment. I have a great hatred of you. I deserve to die and go to hell forever. I am just now seeing all of this because you've opened my eyes. I have no hope except in your grace. Yeah. And in that moment, you know, again, it's the difference between saying, surrender all and get rid of all that sin versus saying, no, 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 God, I am coming right now. And I am saying, I stand before you as a sinner that has hatred of you, hatred of people, a love for robbing banks. I have slept around. And right now I want to keep sleeping around. But the difference is, is now it's all made clear to me. (laughs) And I sense a, a grief, a little bit of grief over it. I used to love robbing banks, no grief, no guilt. Now I've got this weird, like divine grief. Anyway, as you were talking, I was trying to kind of put that on the ground of like, this is how this actually happens in gospel presentations. Yes. Where then people go, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I, I am not surrendered all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so you have these, you have this genuine person who's probably just come to faith in Christ, who sees their sin. Yeah. Who's not? Who now is finally saying, "God, you're God. You determine what sin is, and I'm going to finally agree with you." But I'm being told I have to surrender all and and almost like become perfect before I can come to you. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And the other type of language is sincere. Yeah, yeah having yeah. that sincere heart. Yeah. Um, and maybe do you think? Do you think that this might be the reason why there's so many dedications, rededications, yeah. so many walking down the yeah. aisle because. I know for me, it was, I, I always felt the pull because I was at so many youth things or church things or parachurch things that there would always be invitations and always felt the pull to yeah. become a Christian again, again because I knew I was not sincere enough, yeah. never sincere enough, never surrendered enough, yeah. never yielded enough. So, um, and maybe, so, maybe you felt like it in the moment. Yes. A lot of people, you feel like it in the moment. I finally surrendered all and yielded enough, you know? Yeah. But then like six months go by and there you are standing in another bank robbing it. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And you're like, shoot. Yes. So you're like, I need to go back to that church and do the altar call again. Yeah. And hopefully it takes this time. Yeah. So what we're, what the, what, what Jesus has done, what justification is, is that Jesus has paid the debt in full of all our sin and then he lived the perfect life of obedience and surrender in other words it's almost like this that jesus lived the perfectly surrendered life because we didn't Mm -hmm. and he gives that to you and so i either now i'm at this precipice justification is this do i continue to try to deal with my sin on my own to continue to try to pay the debt, to continue to try to shake off the guilt, to continue to try to self-punish, self-condemn, self-atone in in really weird and self-destructive ways and psychological ways that we bury deep down into our soul that we don't even know we're doing, all these self-defending, defensive mechanisms we have. Do I continue to try to deal with my sin on my own? In other words, be my own savior And do I continue to try to 
find a surrender on my own, mm-hmm. a righteousness on my own, a sincerity on my own, a good heart on my own, mm-hmm. or do I look to a Savior who surrendered, obeyed, was perfect, loved God, loved others in his being, his person, and his work, his righteousness? That's the option. Mm-hmm. And so justification is saying um, trust in the Savior to deal with your sin, trust in the Savior to give you a received righteousness, not an achieved one. Mm-hmm. That's justification. Mm-hmm. And now the Christian life begins. Yeah. This gets, you know, that's somewhat, we've kind of talked about the front door of how this can happen, like at the front door invitation to the kingdom you know, uh, you need to surrender all, or, you know, it could be, you need to pray this prayer. Yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of people Or open the door to your heart, faith, have enough faith, repent, all these words we use. Yeah. Stop being so lukewarm, like be hot or be cold. And you're like, how do I get hot or cold by the end of this Lord's prayer? You know? Um, but, but that's why, you know, it's, it can be easy to make fun of, but you hear stories and, and I've, I have surely done this and felt this. You hear stories of people going, yeah, like I did the sinner's prayer and I walked the aisle three times. And they weren't just doing it for fun. They were doing it because they sensed like a real, that they were sitting there with eternal life and heaven and hell hanging in the balance for them in their heart. And what was being communicated to them was this sinner's prayer plus the work of Jesus on the cross is what you need. I can't tell you how many college students when I was in campus ministry and then when I came here to plant this church that would come to Baylor, how many college students would say this very same thing to mm-hmm. me? Countless. So that that's how we it can happen on the front end. Um, but this can also be a backdoor thing as well, just to kind of uh, throw this in the episode, that, that let's say you've been a Christian for 10 years, whatever, and you never, you know, you never, ha- you never felt the need to walk the aisle twice or whatever. Um, but maybe your Bible reading is lagging, your prayer life is lagging. Um, you went back to some sin that you haven't struggled with since you were 14 and you're pretty like bummed out about that. You thought you were past it. And, and, uh, you're also like not super amped to volunteer in the church at all. So you're not really doing that. And you're just like, dude, the heck with small group right now. I'm way too busy. You know, you're just like not doing a lot of things that, that the church, um, seems to repetitively talk about. And so then your pastor kind of starts saying things like, you know, if that's you, like if your Bible reading sucks and your prayer life sucks and you're not volunteering and you're not in a small group and whatever, um, and you're not confessing your sins multiple times a day to your friends, you know, you need a question if you're even a Christian. And then they'll leave it there, right? They'll leave it there. And you go, oh, shoot, you know, like, well, that is me. That does describe my my poor Christian life right now. And I've never thought I didn't, I never, that didn't make me think I wasn't a Christian, but now he's telling me that maybe I'm not even a Christian. And so this is how, again, that whole, we'll talk about this more in depth later, the erosion where, where, um, well, this is how this can happen backdoor. The pastor in your church makes you think maybe I'm not a Christian. Yeah. And then here's, here's the, the sinister part. And the solution is, to become a Christian, to get back into that status of believing I was a Christian, 
I need to do those things that he just said I'm not doing. Yeah. So to become a Christian, all I have to do is consistently read my Bible, pray, share my faith, confess my sins, surrender all, volunteer, and go to church. Yeah. That's all you have to do to get eternal life. Good luck. Yeah. Right? And have passion. So it can happen back door where, again, a lot of times the intention is not that, yeah. but that is precisely what's communicated yep. from the pulpit week after week. If you are not doing X, Y, and Z, um, this standard, whether it's from the Bible or somewhere else that quali- that shows that you're a healthy Christian, you might not be. Mm-hmm. And then what's implied, at least, is do those things and you'll know you're a Christian. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, yeah. that is works-based, works-righteousness anti-gospel salvation you're doing these things to be loved and accepted you're doing these things to be fully connected with god to experience his love that's Mm self-justification um yeah incredibly uh personally psychologically spiritually destructive yep and um and it does just the opposite it actually produces what happens is is that the the self-justifying path actually makes you uh, exhausted, certainly. Um, it makes you anxious and insecure, absolutely. Um, and then it can take you in one of two directions. It can take you to depression because it's just despair, ultimate despair, because you've come up against an impossibility that you can't deal with your sin on your own. You can't, you can't do these things that someone else says you need to do to be loved and accepted, to be an acceptable person, to be uh, like a worthwhile human being in God's eyes, right? In your eyes and other people's eyes before the law. You can't do these things. That's a depressing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't surrender enough. You can't, whatever it is, whatever the strategy is, you fail the strategy. But then here's the, the underside. It actually begins to fuel this enmity mm-hmm. and this hostility uh, mm-hmm. and then you don't know what to do with that because now you have that on top of it right mm-hmm. uh, there are many times where people um, people are fleeing uh, moralistic we could call this moralism moralistic kind of Christianity and they think they're fleeing God mm-hmm. they think they're fleeing Christianity mm-hmm. they think they're leaving what real Christianity is all about, and they're just fleeing moralism. They're just fleeing self-justification. That's all. They're actually closer to Christianity than than the person that's telling them, you might not be a Christian if you're not reading your Bible this way. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I think we could end, wrap it up with this, that that the the good news is if you have Jesus, you have everything. Yeah. Uh, What do you need? What do you need to have eternal life, to be accepted by God forever, and to even be assured of it now? Uh, you need the Son of God who took on flesh, who lived, who died, who rose to forgive you of all of your sin. Uh, you need him and his work, and it's free, and it's for you. Um, and you say, yeah, but my Bible reading sucks. That's why he died for you. Yeah. Um, I don't surrender enough. That's why he surrendered for you. Um, I'm not consistent. I don't want to volunteer in my church. That's why he died for you. <laughs> you know? yeah. I hate God. That is why he died for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I hate my spouse. Yeah. That's why he died for you. Yeah. 
So if you think you got to clean up even just one sin before you come to Jesus, yeah. you'll never come to him. No. And that's precisely what Satan and the enemy wants you to think. Yes. Just and clean that one thing up. And we're saying right now that the Bible is saying to you, this is called faith alone. So just as we start using vocabulary and grammar that we may or we may or have heard for a long time and maybe just need to like, hey, you know what? Let's let's look that up in Webster's a little bit. Faith alone is nothing more than Jesus alone. Right. Faith alone is trusting in Jesus alone. So that is what justifies. You're mm-hmm. trusting in Jesus' death to deal with your sin, not you try to be your own savior and deal with your sin. You're trusting in Jesus's righteousness to be your righteousness, not you trying to achieve a righteousness of your own. That's faith alone. That's the heart of Christianity, the heart of the gospel justification. But here's the, here's the most powerful like uh, secret. The secret to the Christian life is that. The secret to the Christian life is actually in faith, resting, relying in Jesus alone, that's actually where the fruit of the Spirit starts coming from. That's actually the fountain from which sanctification starts coming out of. That's actually where you start having your heart change a little mm-hmm. and maybe a little want to in reading your Bible. Yeah. Crazy land. But I guarantee you, and if you're hearing this and you know you've been in this world, being told that you need to surrender more or read your Bible more is not going to get you to surrender more and read your Bible more. Number one, it's not going to get that. And number two, you are not going to feel functionally connected to God, guaranteed. Which we'll dive into more either next week or the week after as we get more into sanctification and kind of riff on sanctification, especially how the gospel uh, maybe counterintuitively to our sinful thinking and whatever the gospel is actually what empowers uh, sanctification, which gets into the whole mechanics of like when we treat justification as a thing of the gospel, but sanctification as a thing of the law, and uh, and things can go haywire. So, yeah. until then, peace.